Hi, and welcome to another interview for the Zero to Asic YouTube channel. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by Staff Verhagen. How are you doing, Staff? I'm doing fine. Great. So people may know you from um, your Chips for Makers uh, website or Twitter handle, but could you uh, give us a bit about you and your background? Yeah, so uh, my professional career, I've been working for more, almost 25 years at IMEC, which is a big microelectronics research institute. I've been there in the TCAD group on doing data mining on fab data. Then I went to lithography where I was working on laser resolution enhancement techniques. And then my final job was uh, working on standard cell and uh, IO libraries for radiation hardened designs. And in that respect, I also came into contact with the uh, Euro practice part of IMEC, which makes MPWs for uh, SMEs and for the academics in Europe. And uh, there I saw that actually for mature nodes, the silicon cost is not that big, but that uh, the cost for the EDA tools is very high compared to the silicon cost. Um, as a hobby, I've, I've also been doing open source programming. One of the things I've done was Eros, which is an open source implementation of the Amiga OS. So I'm also in the retro world. Um, to combine these two, I saw that open source is a good way for reducing the cost of the EDA uh, tools. And that's why I quit my job two years ago to work on uh, open source EDA and all the tool flow in microelectronics. And then my target is to be able to make chips possible for normal people, for uh, makers, I call it. And that's why the hence, name hence Chips for Makers. Yeah. Chips for Makers, yeah. So could you give us a, um, a price point? Because um, you're saying that um, the silicon isn't that expensive, but just so that um, we get an idea of the, num the kind of numbers you're talking about. Yeah, so um, uh, an MPW on point thirty five technology costs less than $5,000. But I made a quote for what I found not of... I asked for a quote for the doing the plays route uh, for a, what I thought not so um, difficult project. And then they said yeah, it was 30,000 euros, above 30,000 euros to do that. So, and then my plan is to actually even try to share this cost of $5,000 between, let's say, four people. And then my target is to be able to make chips below 2,000 euros. Um, so that's my target. Cool. Um, so that 5,000 is one of a number of MPW slots. So then um, uh, Euro Practice joins together all these projects together to um, divide up the mass costs. Yeah, so so currently, yeah, IAMIC is a, a partner or as a as a preferred partner for TSMC, and they do, I think, five or six times a year than this 0.35 TSMC RAM. Um, that has a minimum area of 25 square millimeter. And what I plan to do is then to subdivide this 25 square millimeter, and I will do the joining of the, the project. A bit like my multi-project tools. Yes, what you're doing for Sky 130 multi-project tools. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, and uh, I've been wanting to interview you for a little while, but you've been super busy doing a tape out recently. So could you tell us a bit about um, what you've been working on? Yeah, so I, yeah, so Sunday night or Monday morning, I taped out a, a point thirty-five TSMC MPW, and um, that was the the retro microcontroller. I already. When I quit my job two years ago, I actually made some uh, presentations at the uh, Orconf and uh, also at uh, FOSDEM about what I wanted to do. And I now finally could make a first step out. And um, the thing is to show that with these old technologies, you can you cannot do the very advanced things. You cannot make an advanced GPU or a advanced uh, mobile processor, but we can still do more stuff in retro type performance or better and then the retro microcontroller is where i combine a motorola 68000 a mos6502 and a z80 uh, on the chip and actually i i split it up in two chips uh, one chip is the has a motorola 68000 and mos6502 and the other chip has a z80 and the mos6502 so the one is contains 32 bit the other one is pure 8 bit um, and I wanted to have two designs so that hopefully Murphy allows me that I have one of them working. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people find out more about that project? Um, this project itself is, yeah, I, I, I distribute all my code, which I can make public on uh, GitLab. On, under the chips for makers uh, thing. So there is a retro microcontroller uh, uh, project there that contains this uh, code. Of course, I'm using a proprietary PDK and that I cannot make public, of course. Uh, but my idea is to be able to also support open source and then everything can be open sourced, uh, like Sky 130. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's, your, what's the um, tool flow that you're using? Because I'm I'm guessing that you're not using OpenLane. Uh, no, I'm not using OpenLane. So when I quit my job two years ago, I did an evaluation um, of existing tools at that moment. And then OpenRoad was still in the early phase of development. And um, I actually then also found Coriolis, which is also a place that tool developed at um, Sorbonne University, the Lib6 department there. It's already being developed for 20 years there. Um, and yeah, I find it a hidden gem because I think they have done quite some development work, but they were not that good in the marketing department. So it's not known. And also it has a quite steep learning curve. So once you start doing um, it, then yeah, you will need to, uh, to do a lot of Perseverance, or how it's called in English, yes, um, to to, yeah, to get it, it yeah. used to get used to it. Um, but I found the foundations better at that time at Operot, and then I once you choose, yeah, you don't switch anymore afterwards. Um, and then around that, I I'm using I'm I like Python a lot, so I'm using Emigen that is now still called Emigen, but that's going to change names in the near future, I think. Um, the open source course I found was from some retro projects. They were still written in VHDL and Verilog, but I have done a wrapper around that in Nmigen, and the top of my retro microcontroller is, is developed in Nmigen. 
Then I use Yosis for synthesis, and um, then I do still use K-Layout and API to do some post-processing on the GDS generated by Coriolis for place and route. Great. Okay, and if um, you want to find out a lot more about uh, Coriolis, then you can check out the talk that um, Jean-Paul Chapu did for Open Tape Out uh, at the beginning of November, and I'll put a link in the uh, description to yeah. take you there. Um, okay, so um, one of the questions I've got for you is um, about standard cells. Can you guess what my question is? Uh, yeah. So, so. Yeah, I think we, we can suppose that uh, people are familiar with now a little bit with the EDA flow, but standard cells are actually the basic digital building blocks that you make up a digital design from. Um, and it's, so it's one of the basic building blocks that you need to make your design. And, um, and they normally come from the foundry, don't they? So you get like the Andy or the flip-flop, the XOR, all these types of standard yes. cells as a package from they the foundry. They come from the foundry or from IP providers. For example, ARM mm -hmm. also has a standard cell library, Synopsys. Um, yeah, the big EDF and also have their stones and so on. But I did my own standard cell library um, because one of my targets is to be able to support different technologies easily. And there I found the current existing, also the open source one, too much work involved to port it to new technologies. Uh, and I do that based on um, a Python framework I developed that should allow making these um, uh, standard cells scalable more easily. That's, that framework is called PDK Master. Yeah. Okay. So the framework is called PDK Master, and then the, the thing that generates the standard cell, is that called Flex yeah, Cell? So it's Chips for Makers Flex Cells. So it's the on okay. the website I also already mentioned is C4M-Flexer, yes. Okay, we'll put a link in yeah. for that. So, and then, uh, is it right um, that you take the DRC rules from the PDK and that's like the input into FlexCell and then FlexCell generates standard cells that are DRC safe? Yes. So, um, so... That's the, the, the task of PDK master. So in PDK master, you describe the technology and then the, the design rules are part of the technology. So the technology is which devices are available, uh, transistors, diodes, uh, and other things. Uh, plus then the rules that are coming from that to be able to manufacture them. And that's called the design rules. Um, and um, so what I wanted to do there and what I did is that you can describe this technology in one file. And then from this one file, all the, the, the files needed for other tools are generated from that one. And you, and there is an API so that you can build um, on top of this technology description scalable uh, circuits where you can do combined layout and circuit generation um, because often now the layout generation is done after that you have done the schematic and then yeah that's also a laborious task at the moment and i want to reduce there also the effort you need there okay and actually we saw um in mpw3 the google sponsored uh, free shuttle um myrtle 
uh, Gatecat Shah uh, just taped out a design using your using standard cells generated by uh, FlexCell for Skywater 130. Ex- exactly. So um, that's probably that's one of my next tasks is to get that stable so it can make a public release because you still had to hack uh, a little bit around in my Python code to get it DRC clean for uh, uh, the submission. But in the next MP4 run, which is end of this year, exactly, um, I will, I, we will be doing new designs and then I think it should be available for a lot of people also. Okay. And how does the uh, standard cells compare in size compared to the ones that we get from Skywater? Are they the same size? Are they a bit bigger, a bit smaller? Uh, currently, they are not area efficient yet because I, what I did, I, I took a shortcut and I took an existing uh, standard cell library that was based on Lambda rules. So that was also made scalable. So the old way to do scalable is that you describe everything as a function of a certain Lambda and then you can change by picking your Lambda according to your technology. But this... And then everything scales. Yes, but then you have to be sure that all your design rules are described as a multiple of this lambda, and then you don't squeeze out the last area efficiency. Uh, But one of the tasks that I'm starting now is, and should be done at the end of this year, is to have a more efficient, and then it should be comparable to any um, standard cell library. Um, if we really want to support the really high density ones, which is called the HS uh, version of Sky 130, uh, that's to be seen, that's to be looked at, uh, because of, often you need so much overhead in empty space to get the routing done that it doesn't make sense to make this very high density solar cell libraries. But it's something that we will look at. Okay, so um, maybe um, you could tell us about any other projects you've got going on at the moment? Uh, yes, so so a lot of this is funded by NLNet and uh, projects, actually European projects. So you have now NLNet, but you also have NGI Ponter, which is done by another um, um, uh, entity. Uh, so I've been also involved in the, the Libersoc tape out where we also use the standard cell library in 4.18 TSMC uh, and actually also an IO cell there. Um, so I'm involved there. So they also are planning a new design um, in October of next year uh, where they will do an Ethernet router and I will then also be involved in getting the technology part uh, ready for that. And there I will be doing IO cell development uh, and memory development also. And the first thing to do is uh, Sky 130 support. Uh, Part of that is also, um, and then another project is to have scalable analog mixing on libraries. Uh, So that's together with um, the Lipsix University, we are looking at first very simple, uh, what I, uh, analog mixing, so a simple ADC, a low-speed ADC, DAC, a PLL, and a band gap. So I wanted to stick to simple so that you can focus on the technology and the development part, and you don't need to squeeze out the last analog performance. Uh, but that I also want to use my PDK master to make easily scalable uh, analog mixing uh, libraries. That Lip6 will do look at 
spot schematics and circuits can we use that are easily scalable with technologies and then i will be doing the implementation on top of pdk master to make them scalable to different technology nodes and the first task i will do there is to work on pdk master version 1.0 because now the api is not fixed and it's probably very frustrating if so the other people want to use it because i will constantly chasing uh, making non-backwards compatible changes to the code but the plan is to have beginning of next year a version 1.1 and that then should be ready for outside contribution and usage yeah okay um i'm not totally sure i understand what pdk master is now that you've said that so could you give me like a, a top level overview of the job you're trying to solve with that so yeah, so th there are, yeah, I think three things that I wanted to do is first, I'm a Python guy. I don't like Tickle. So I first wanted a framework that is in Python and not in Tickle or any other uh, language. The second is that I wanted to simplify the description of the PDK itself. Um, so I don't know if people are used to uh, PDKs, but often a PDK is delivered at a lot of a bunch of files that you have to know how to use them and to configure the tools to use them. So I want to simplify that. And the, the last one is that with this simplified description, you could put generation of uh, circuits with their layout on top of it that can easily be scaled. So you make a new description of technology and then your code that generates these cells should adapt to the new technology and the API should make it possible so that you don't need to change, make changes to your code to be able to scale to different technology nodes. And that's what I want, then want to apply so, to the analog part in that project. Okay. So is it like a, a kind of standardized API to a PDK? Yes. You can describe okay. it that way, yes. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. And then just going back to the analog stuff, um, scalable analog stuff has been uh, tried quite a few times in the past, I believe. Yes. Or, pe or things like analog generators. Yeah. So what's makes, um, what makes yours different or why, uh, why try it again? Yeah, so first thing is, um, Analog designers are typically um, working in, a, in that you, the first thing they ask is give me the specs and then I can design an analog circuit to you. And so that's a design to spec. But that means that every time you change the spec that you have to redo the design. So what I wanted to do is look at it from a different side is you have a technology, you have a certain schematic of the circuit, what can you do with that? And then present to the user what he can do with that. So in that way, I, that's the first thing I want to solve in the analog part. The, the second part is that often the, the design is done on schematic level and then they try to do the layout. So the automations the, that are now doing is actually starting from a uh, schematic or an at list and then try to automatically generate a layout of, out of it. Um, and I don't find that ideal yet um, because especially for lower nodes, the, 
the interconnects or the, what they call the parasitics, your capacitance or, and resistances of your interconnects become important. And then you have to do iteration loops because, yeah, you made a schematic, but once you have done the layout, it doesn't perform the same anymore and you get a lot of iterations. So what I want to do is to have that you have code that generates both the schematic and the layout so that you do both at the same time so that you have a better performing circuit from the start and in that way you should be able to be scalable. And one thing is also I want to do is not squeeze out the last performance of your technology. So when you try to do that, then you still need probably more the, the, the classic way of doing design so that you really optimize your circuit to really squeeze out the last performance. For example, as high-speed CERDES, I don't think, I don't see that being done with this scalable analog. Uh, uh, framework but maybe like a, a straightforward a to d or d to a yes yeah. and maybe not that straightforward I, it's just that if you don't squeeze out a 10 20 percent performance of your technology i think that should be possible okay and then if that the idea is if that's still useful then that saves you a lot of time and effort yes Yes, and you can still okay. start, you can still take then what comes out of it. And if you really want to squeeze out, then you can still optimize it afterwards. Eh? But then it's not scalable anymore. But that's still a possibility. Hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, just to um, finish off then, um, I'd like to hear your opinions about the future of the industry, because you've got a lot of experience, a lot more than I do. Um, We've seen a, a bit of a shift in the last couple of years with a, a lot more stuff becoming open source and a lot more people getting involved. Do you think that that is something, are we seeing an inflection point here? Do you think the industry is about to change or do you think it's going to, what, what's your viewpoint on that? Yes, I think the, f the industry is definitely going to change in that respect. I, I see a lot of parallel of what has been happening in the Linux world, uh, mid-90s. So, yeah, so like I said, I've been working 25 years for Dynamic, so we were using Unix at that time. So I saw the start of the Linux at that time also. And then in the beginning, yeah, it was something that, that when you were a professional, then you were not, then you were using Unix and not Linux. Um, and at a certain point, I even saw that I talked with developers of EDA tools at the commercial companies and said, yeah, internally, we are already using Linux. But from marketing point of view, we still only sell our tools for Unix because our marketing does not want to promote our tools yet for Linux. And if you now look 20 years later, you see that Linux has disrupted the whole industry. Everybody is now using uh, Linux and Unix is not... Yeah, it's very minor at the moment. And I think the same will happen for the EDA companies, for the EA tools, and then the whole microelectronics industry. And I think we are really seeing now with all the what's going on with Google sponsoring the MPWs, with the, the, the conferences, uh, with your channel, that we are really at a tipping point to, to starting this revolution for the EDA world, yes. And you see this kind of starting in the kind of lower end, older nodes and perhaps like the places where you don't need to get the, in, like squeeze, like what you're saying, squeeze the, all the performance possible, but where you still have an advantage with making a custom chip as opposed to something more generic like an FPGA. Uh, 
Yes, indeed. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about the, the mature notes, um, uh, lower volume. Um, that, that's the place where it will start. Um, and yeah, because if you go to high volume and small notes, the, 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 the money involved there is so big. So a master there costs millions of dollars. So if you then have to pay 100k uh, dollars for your EDA software, that's not that's not a showstopper. But like I said, for low volume, more mature nodes, yeah, the EDA software is 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 very high, and and I, I see there then where it will start. Yes. Great, interesting time to be involved. Yes, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> your time has come, yeah. staff. <laughs> Great. So um, where can people um, get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or your projects? Um, so I have a website, chipformakers.io, slash blog. There is a blog. And I think if you mail to blog at fibaservi.eu, you will be able to reach me. Uh, I think that's the best way to reach me. So okay. It, yeah. we'll, we'll put the links for that in the yeah. description. Okay, well, thanks a lot, staff, for your time. Been really good talking to you and great to hear your thoughts on what's okay, going on. Okay, good. All right.